What up, son? It's the tale of the tapes. The fuck life. Saying. Ah, tale of the tapes, episode ten. Told you guys I was la- last week. Uh. That I was excited about this one. I, I really am super excited about this one. So on episode 10 here, we have Boogie Down Productions today. Boogie Down Productions. <laughs> Fam is upstairs again, so we're bound to hear them, but that's okay. That's that's how my life has been affected so far. You can hear the fam in the background of the podcast periodically. <laughs> I think they're going for like a girl's night pedicure while we get it in on here about some hip-hop. And then I'll make my way upstairs and join the festivities, of course. Um, So, really quick, before we get into any specifics on Boogie Down Productions, I should have brought this up in episode 7. It's not It's not that it's important. It's not that it's really going to affect anything in any type of way. It's more of like a common courtesy. Um... Should have brought this up around episode 7 when we covered uh, LL Cool J and Cool Mo D that we are officially in the golden age of hip-hop, which is generally considered to be from around 1985 to 1995. So again, we are officially in the golden era, and we will be here for a while, probably until the end of 2021. So enjoy it while it lasts. This is the heart and soul of hip-hop for this next year and a half or so. So... With that being said, let's get into it. Boogie Down Productions, who dropped their debut album in 1987. The members of Boogie Down Productions are KRS-One, D-Nice, and DJ Scott LaRock. I've brought it up before, I'll bring it up again. Um, DJ Scott LaRock is not being judged or scored here in any type of way. This is strictly on hip-hop artists and MCs and things like that. Um, But I just... You have to bring up the DJ, especially a, a DJ like Scott LaRock. Uh, to me, he's one of those DJs where you could you could really know nothing about Scott LaRock and still know who he is. Like I feel like there probably really isn't too many people involved in hip hop that have not at least heard of DJ Scott LaRock. So to name a, a group as influential as Boogie Down Productions and not, you know give some credit to DJ Scott LaRock is just wrong in my opinion so those are the members of the group uh KRS-One and D-Nice as MCs they were scored individually so Boogie Down Productions obviously qualifies as a group with all of its members qualifying but they were scored individually so Boogie Down Productions was a hip-hop group originally composed of KRS-One, D-Nice, and DJ Scott LaRock DJ Scott LaRock was murdered on August 27, 1987, five months after the release of BDP's debut album, Criminal Minded. The name of the group, Boogie Down, derives from a nickname for the South Bronx section of the Bronx, one of the five boroughs of New York City. The group pioneered the fusion of dancehall, reggae, and hip-hop music, and their debut LP, Criminal Minded, contained frank descriptions of life in the South Bronx during the late 1980s, thus setting the stage for what would eventually become gangster rap. Now, we're going to get into D-Nice here uh, individually first, because D-Nice was actually the first one technically to put out uh, a solo album under his name, which was in 1990. Uh, KRS-One's was in 1993, but we'll get into that in a bit. Birth name, Derek Jones, born June 19th, 1970. Origin, Bronx, New York. 
genres, hip-hop, and soul. And a little background about him. Derek Jones, born June 19, 1970, better known by his stage name D-Nice, is an American disc jockey, beatboxer, rapper, producer, and photographer who began his career in the mid-1980s with the hip-hop group Boogie Down Productions. He also discovered Kid Rock in 1988, landing him a deal with Jive Records. So a little bit about D Nice. I don't. I don't. He's certainly not as well known as KRS One, but uh, I mean anybody who's really into hip hop would know who D Nice is. But nice little side note there about D Nice and and the Kid Rock thing and stuff like that. So just in case you didn't know those things about him, um, with with that laid on the table, let's go to D Nice's list. And I'm not gonna go to Boogie Down Productions list because. I believe D-Nice was only on like two songs. So the likelihood of me hitting random and getting a song with him and KRS-One in the song is just very unlikely. So since this scored as individuals, I will go to their individual lists. This one is D-Nice Crumbs on the Table. Is that a timetable? Well, get on it. It's your time. Okay, so you got a couple of different things going on here. He starts off with a with a common a common question: Who gets laid, the chicken or the egg? He kind of words it in a little bit a little bit different, like you know, what came first, the chicken or the egg? He he had a little play on it: Who gets laid, the chicken or the egg? How about the MC that has just been led to a renegade teacher preacher? Then he got stomped. So that's a run on ball right there. You have egg and lead, which not the greatest rhymes, small rhymes, one syllable, one rhyme per bar. It's a it's a run on bar to a renegade teacher preacher. Then he got stomped. So you have the two rhymes there, and then stomped because I'm a feature straight from the Bronx. So you have an A A B B rhyme pattern there. But you have four rhymes in the two bars. But it's another run on bar. The Bronx Productions, better known as Boogie Down. If I was king right now, I'd get crowned. Listen, it's again, it's not a bad line. Everything makes sense here. But if I was king right now, I'd get crowned. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know what you're saying by saying that. It's kind of like an obvious statement. You're not saying that you're king. You're just saying if you were king right now, you'd get crowned. Uh, I mean... You could make some sense out of it. Like I said, it's not that it doesn't make sense. It's just not really a great line. The nice is a teacher, not a prince or a rap lord. I even write my rhymes on a blackboard. Those are pretty good two bars right there for a couple of reasons. Uh, it's two syllables, not one. And he has a play there. The nice is a teacher, not a prince or a, a rap lord. I even write my rhymes on a blackboard saying that he's a teacher. Now, the reason that this is a little bit better than it may sound just by looking at it at first glance is because remember that KRS-One is is called the teacher a lot of times. So he's in a group with KRS-One. Um, I believe that both of these artists consider themselves teachers in the fact that they were always trying to like uplift people and stuff like that. 
um, they didn't really follow trends and stuff. They had their own message. They tried to uplift their people and stuff like that. So, cool little play on words right there with the two-syllable rhyme. Okay, so a couple of things here, not 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 as much as the first set of bars, but to get specific and probably make you understand what makes the 808 plan, it's simple. I'ma round it off like this. That's how many stupid MCs I've dissed. So there's nothing special about those bars. They're the one rhyme, one syllable per bar, but they lead into each other well. They make sense. There's nothing great, nothing really bad there either. Those are those are pretty average bars. But if they commence to try me, I won't buy it. I'll look them up and down and I'll say don't even try it. Again, simple. It's not a two-syllable rhyme because buy it, try it. You're only rhyming buy and try. It are the same words. Uh, so it's again, it's just simple. It's one syllable. It's one rhyme per bar. But uh, again, it makes sense. It leads into each other well. There's nothing bad about that. Because I can go on and on without breathing the TR, another form of BDP eating. Now, I'm not sure if a lot of average fans really know about stuff like when it comes to rapping, like breath control and, and all sorts of things like that. And I don't want to get too deep into this right now, but this is part of the reason that I don't consider myself to be on a certain level when it comes to this particular thing with being able to spit verses without taking breaks or punching in or doing things like that. Um, that is actually looked at in the hip hop community as a good thing and a skillful thing, which I am certainly not very good at. I do find it a little bit odd in a culture that smokes so much weed that being able to, to do something in one breath is kind of you know, looked at as great and the vice versa is kind of looked at as frowned upon a little bit. But at the end of the day, it is a skill. Not everybody can do it. Again, I can't do it. Um, I, I don't really know particularly about D-Nice, but we can only go off of what he's saying. He never showed me otherwise. I wasn't in the booth with him, obviously. I don't know if he was recording all these things in, in one take or you know, things like that, or when he would rhyme out on the street, on the corners, or in battles, and things like that, if he was really good with his breath control, and stuff like that, so, um, he didn't show me that he wasn't, so I take the line for what it is, uh, it's not a great rhyme, the line following is not great, but I just wanted to point out to you guys why he's saying I can go on and on without breathing, in case any of you aren't familiar with, uh, how much breath control is looked at as a big thing in hip-hop. Okay, I got a couple of things with this. MCs like Chunky moving real bluntly, shaking and baking MCs like a junkie. Now, here's one of those things where it's give and take. It seems a lot of times when somebody goes out of their way to do something different or quote-unquote better than something they've done before, the lines start to lack in a different fashion. So he's saying MCs like Chunky moving real bluntly. So you have two rhymes in one bar and they're two syllables. That's A-A, 
Then you have shaken and bacon, BB. Again, two syllable rhymes and two rhymes in the next bar. MC is like a junkie, back to A. So you have five rhymes in two bars and they're all two syllables. But the lines themselves, listen to it, MCs like chunky, moving real bluntly, shaking and baking MCs like a junkie. It doesn't really make any sense. You have to say to yourself sometimes, if people were to say these things to you, like take away what they're trying to do with the artistry of it and what they're trying to do with the rhymes and stuff like that, because we've already acknowledged that part of the lines. We've already acknowledged that there's five rhymes. We've already acknowledged that they're all two syllables. That's a good thing. Now what we're looking at is what's actually being said and what's actually being said is not very good. It doesn't make much sense. It, you're just throwing words in that rhyme. So again, that type of scenario kind of evens itself out for me. Now there are scenarios where people will do these type of things repetitively and if it's repetitively bad then maybe you start losing points or if you start to be able to keep up the same type of rhyme patterns and the content that's coming with it starts to get better then you will gain credit for it and things like that right now i haven't seen anything in this song that was really that good or bad that would raise or, or lower this song score so far fiending hitting mcs like they was cocaine calling them john doe meaning they have no name again two syllables on the rhyme one rhyme per bar now it's not a bad line hitting MCs like they was cocaine calling them John Doe mean and they have no name It's definitely more good than bad with the two syllables on the rhyme and the hitting MCs like they was cocaine It's definitely you know better than just an average line Now he starts to kind of go the opposite direction now I'll spin you like a quarter drink you like water hit below the belt with the things you never thought of I'll spin you like a quarter is it makes sense because you could spin a quarter, but eh, what do you mean? You know, you're gonna you're gonna spin somebody. It's just it's not really a good line. It's just something you're saying. It's a reach. Drink you like water. That's really that's a rough one. I mean, I just I just don't get it. You're gonna drink somebody like water. It's just a bad line, honestly. Um, now again, it's the same thing as I said earlier. Spin you like a quarter. Drink you like water. You have two rhymes in the one bar and two syllables on each rhyme but then the words being said either don't make sense or they're not good lines hit below the belt with the things you never thought of again two syllables now you have three rhymes in the two bars and the lines themselves when you break down the content of the lines they're not very good so again give and take Okay, so again, we have run on bars there. I lay down the law that I am a slaughter. I roll like a tidal wave, so you order. Float like a sailboat, move like a speedboat in water. Now watch you soak. So you got the run on bar there, but you again, you have a two syllable rhyme with slaughter and order split up by a run on bar. And then the two bars after that are kind of now watch you soak. I mean, it's all right. Again, it's probably more good than bad, but you do have a run on bar in there. So it's a compromise. Everything that's taking a step in one direction is kind of taking a step back in another direction. Into the realm of mind, till you hit the bottom. It's heavy like an anchor. 
no problem for me to just play you, eat you like a cookie. I'm a professional boy, you're just a rookie. I'm here to sing a song that some are not able. Compared to me, you just crumbs on the table. Okay, so into a rhyme of mine until you hit the bottom. So you have rhyme and mine, which is AA, until you hit the bottom, which is B. It's heavy like an anchor. It's no problem, which is B again. So you have the AABB in just a two-bar span with four rhymes in the two bars. Two of those rhymes are one syllables, and the other two are bottom and problem, which is two syllables. And the lines themselves are pretty good. It's a little bit more of a substance than the other times that he went out of his way to do some other good things on there. It's heavy like an anchor makes sense. Um, so it's not it's not where he threw in a bad line just to have the two syllables or the four rhymes or whatever like that. For me to just bake you, eat you like a cookie, I'm a professional boy, you're just a rookie. Now, this is similar to the line before when he said, drink you like water. But this one at least makes sense. I'm not saying it's a good line to say, eat you like a cookie, because you could say, eat you like anything. Again, we're in the 80s here. I'm not trying to knock anybody's things. I'm just trying to break them down for what they are. But at least there are terms and phrases to where like, damn, bro, like he ate that dude up. Like he got fucked up. You know what I'm saying? Nobody says that you drank somebody. So that line earlier just didn't make sense. Drink you like water. Eat you like a cookie. Again, I'm not saying it's a great line, but at least it makes sense. And clearly, you know, he's got the next line with, I'm a professional boy, you're just a rookie. So again, there's much more good than bad in these two lines. You got cookie and rookie, which is two syllables. And then I'll bake you, eat you like a cookie. I'm a professional boy, you're just a rookie. Bigging himself up, putting you down. I'm here to sing a song, but some are not able. Compared to me, you're just crumbs on the table. Now, that's the name of the song. So, I wouldn't say that the whole song has a specific theme that he could kind of follow. But, basically, what he's doing here is... It's a unique kind of song idea where he's calling it crumbs on the table and he's basically bigging himself up and putting other people down and comparing the other people that he's talking about to being crumbs on the table. So I I saw definitely more good than bad. There were some run on bars and, and thing you know, there were some some bad lines in there, but there was more good than bad overall in that verse. Okay, so in my prime, more vocal than I've ever been. I'm not an amateur, sort of like a veteran. That's a three-syllable rhyme now. So we're definitely starting to see D-Nice pull away here a little bit in terms of the amount of syllables on his bars. He has pretty consistently, I would say there was probably at least six bars in the first verse that had at least two syllables on them. He showed the ability to have a couple of rhymes per bar, not just always one. And now he starts off his second verse with a three-syllable rhyme. So, again, I haven't seen anything here 
that would definitely raise this song to a good song, but we're seeing more good than bad. Split from the bums, arriving from a long trip. Now I'm back to just cold rip. Now you're going to hear when I click play that it's a run on bar. It could make sense him saying now I'm back to just cold rip. But it is a run on bar. He goes into something after that that wouldn't make sense without the sentence prior to it. So again, he has had run on bars multiple times in each verse, but more good than bad. Okay, so picks up off the run on bar, MCs like confetti, eat them like spaghetti, another three syllable rhyme, and there's two rhymes in the one bar. I chill for a year and yet I'm still ready. Now he only went with two syllables on that second bar there, but still three rhymes in the two bars and two of those three rhymes are three syllable rhymes. So more good than bad. To house MCs, sink them like a boat will, I roll heavy, thick like oatmeal. Now, to house MCs, sink them like a boat will is kinda, I'm not sure that it's really worded in the best way possible, but clearly again, he wanted to rhyme with oatmeal. It's a two syllable rhyme, and I won't say that it's a, it's a bad line. It, again, it's not a great line, and you can see that there's a little bit of a reach with the line before it, to find something to go into oatmeal, but I still think he's at least even, if not, you know, a little bit above. So now you know the 808 is showing. I do damage in just one moment. Again, pretty simple, nothing great, nothing bad, uh, but it is showing moment. It's a two syllable rhyme, so more good than bad. Okay, so couple of issues here. Here's a little message to those who want to hang out. Just remember that I give pain out. Hang and pain is a little bit of a reach with a rhyme just the same way that before that was showing and moment, which is a little bit of a reach for a rhyme. But it's still only one syllable because you have hang and pain. Out and out is the same word. The TR-808 relates to a terrorizer. Never hiding, clever, always memorizing. So now he has terrorizer, which is the end of the, that first bar there, and then the second bar coming with it, never hiding, clever, always memorizing. It doesn't rhyme with terrorizer. He could have said terrorizing, which I'm actually a little bit confused reading this, and these are the type of technicalities that I, I really love to point out to you guys. The TR-808 relates to a terrorizer. Why wouldn't he just say the TR-808 relates to terrorizing, never hiding, clever always memorizing? Then you would have had three four-syllable rhymes in two bars right there because never hiding is four syllables and memorizing is also four syllables as well as if he would have said terrorizing. 
So I, I don't really understand. I'm not sure if it was a missed opportunity. I'm not sure if it was laziness. Um, but these are the type of things that, especially in the 80s, a lot of times we're seeing where, you know, I read some of the lyrics or I'm listening to some of the lyrics and it's just a little confusing sometimes as to why people would say certain things when I feel like I can see right away in a very easy way to make that a much better line. Now, again, it's more good than bad because you have a four-syllable rhyme here. You have two rhymes on the second on the second bar. Um, it's definitely more good than bad, uh, and the lines themselves are fine. They make sense. You know, the always memorizing thing is kind of a similar line to when he said earlier about the breathing thing. You don't want to get caught where you fuck up and you forget your rhymes, which again is kind of odd because in a, in a in a culture where there's so much weed smoke in the industry where there's so much weed smoking going on that, you know, forgetting your rhymes is like the worst thing of all time. Um, you know, I get it. I, I do, you know, I understand that it is impressive for somebody to be able to rap for three minutes straight and spit a hundred bars or five minutes straight and, you know, spit a couple of hundred bars and, and never fuck up and never forget their lines and, you know, never have to pause to take a breath or anything like this. It is super impressive. So I get that, but it is a little bit odd to me how much forgetting a rhyme or, you know, not being able to cross something out in, in one breath is looked down on in a, in a culture that really smokes a lot of weed, which, you know, gives you shortness of breath and, short-term memory problems but he might be one of those guys again where that was something that he was very good at and he takes pride in the fact that he never forgot any of his lines which if that is the case i give him credit for it and again i wasn't there at these times i have nothing to refute that so i can't say well he's you know just making things up um so again it's not a great line but i just want to point out to you guys maybe why it's being said then he goes in to say Poetry, history, math, or even paragraphs. So now it's only the one syllable on the rhyme because it's math and graph, but it's two rhymes in the one bar. But then the bar after that is I'm not into b-boying, just hoeing. So now this goes back to last week when we did uh, Chuck D and Professor Griff when I explained to you guys about the bars not being counted in the proper way. Now he's off again here with his bars. So... He's ending on an even bar and it doesn't rhyme with something. So then he's going to rhyme in his next word when we click play here. And then he's going to have to catch up and do two different rhymes and two different rhymes again in order for his verse to be able to finish with a rhyme in the place where it's supposed to finish. You'll see what I'm saying here. Show it, blowing them seeds like the wind does. I might lay you, sort of like a hen does. Cause your rhymes are weak and unstable. Compared to me, you're just crumbs on the table. Okay, so earlier he said poetry, history, math, or even paragraphs. And then the next bar, I'm not into b-boying, just hoeing. That should have rhymed with paragraphs, but it didn't. So now, if he rhymes the next bar with hoeing, He's only going to have three bars left now to close his song out, which is an uneven amount of bars. So what does he do? His next line, he says, showing, blowing MCs like the wind does. And he switches up the rhyme now. So he's got two words in the beginning of the sentence, showing and blowing, that rhyme with the bar before it, hoeing, and then he switches it up with MCs like the wind does, 
then the next bar I might lay you out sort of like a hen does. So he catches up to where he was supposed to be. Now he's on course. He has two bars left to end his verse because your rhymes are weak and unstable compared to me. You're just crumbs on the table. So he ends the verse again the same way that he ended the first verse. Now he didn't use the same rhyme of able and table, which is good. And I'll be curious to see what he uses in the third verse. If he can come up with another thing to rhyme with table in a different way to say it. But I did want to point out how he did go off his bar count a bit there. Now, I, again, I wouldn't take anything away. I would give him a pass because for a couple of reasons, because not into b-boying, just hoeing, showing, blowing MCs like the wind does. Now, you have three rhymes in that bar, and they're all two syllables. And you caught right back up to where you were. He didn't fuck the whole rest of his verse up. He had the one part where he did a little shortcut, and he didn't rhyme anything with hoeing. He took care of it in the first two words of his next bar, switched his rhyme pattern up to wind does, might lay you sort of like a hen does. Okay, rhyme. Uh, you know, it, again, it could have been probably worded better, but not a bad rhyme. I, I get where he's going with it. Because your rhymes are weak and unstable compared to me, just crumbs on the table. Again, two syllables on the rhyme there. So... This is this is noted right now as we're doing this right now in my head that it's he's sort of, he's starting to climb a little bit. I, I would say in general this is probably a little bit of above average stuff that we've seen here for the most part. There have been some things that have held it back a bit, but in general I would say it's probably a little bit above average right now. And you know if this got up to a good song would probably depend largely on what was coming before this and you know, things like that. But with that being said, let's get into the last verse. Alright, so you better think before you even get soup. I'll put you on the corner and sell you like a prostitute. It's not really a good line. I, You know, to threaten somebody with the fact that you're going to sell them is, is just kind of strange to me, especially in an industry where everybody's trying to sell themselves. Um, he's literally making a song right now trying to sell himself and dissing somebody saying, I'll sell you like a prostitute. Again, it doesn't crumble this song or anything, but just when you really break the lines down and you really break down what's going on, it's not a great line. Like a street whore, make you want more and more. So two one-syllable rhymes in the bar there. Move you to the side, up and down like a seesaw. Now, it makes sense. I get what he's saying. Um, but those two bars are leading off of the bar that I didn't really like about put you on a corner and sell you like a prostitute. So... Even though they go with that and they make sense and stuff like that, you're stemming off of something that's really not a good concept. So, you know, you making good lines about a weak concept at that point kind of evens each other out for me. Pulling out a gun is uncalled for, but I'm with it, so go for yours. That line is fine. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that line. He's basically saying, you know, don't be a clown. Don't fucking pull out a gun. But trust me, if you do... You know, do what you got to do, bro, because 
I probably got one too. He's insinuating it. He's not saying it, but he's insinuating. You want to make a move? Go ahead, bro. Just one one syllable and one rhyme per bar, but they led into each other well and they made sense. So. Okay, a couple of things here. So, you may even try to diss, but I call it flattery. I pack more volts than a Duracell battery. Now, the packing more volts thing is, again, it's not a great line because, I mean, who really says something like that? Like, bro, I'm packing volts, man. Like, people don't really talk like that. So, I mean, unless they did talk like that then, but, I mean, I've studied a lot of this stuff. I, I've never really heard terms like that before. I don't think it's a great line, but... He saves himself because flattery and battery is three syllables. So he does have a three syllable rhyme there. And it's not a bad line. It's not something that doesn't make any sense. Uh, it's not as bad as the I'll drink you like water one. But it's not, it's not a great line. Um, it's a little, a little disguised. That's something that probably seems a little bit better than it actually is. But again, it's a three syllable rhyme. So charging MCs smooth like the breeze. Scott made me funky, yo, that was one theme. Or topic, showing I be rocking. Every little city I play, I leave a heat wave. Now, a couple problems with this. You have the one is a run-on bar. That was one theme, and then it goes into the next bar. Or topic, showing I be rocking, which could be a two-syllable rhyme and two rhymes in the one bar. Every little city I play, I leave a heat wave. Now... Again, that doesn't, it's supposed to rhyme with rocking and it doesn't rhyme with rocking. So now we're either put in a scenario again here where he's going to just have a bar right there that plain and simple just doesn't rhyme with anything and he's going to go on to something completely different in the next two bars or he's going to do something similar to what he did earlier and he's going to say something right away in this next bar that rhymes with wave and then he's going to switch up his rhyme style. So let's see where he goes with it. Okay, a lot of problems here. A lot of a lot of shortcuts and a lot of problems here. So that rhyme wound up not rhyming with anything. It was totally random. It didn't rhyme with anything. And then after that, he says, "Burning up the industry, never try to get with me." So that's that's pretty good because you have a two three syllable rhymes in the one bar there. But now again, Something should rhyme with that. And then he says, I'm the type of person that never needs rehearsing. So he's doing the same kind of thing where he's just rhyming each bar with each other. But he does have it where he's doing three syllables, two syllables, and things like that. So again, a lot of this is give and take. When a lot of this was being done with Chuck D and Professor Griff, Professor Griff specifically... These shortcuts were all being taken, and while these shortcuts were taking, the lines usually weren't good, and they were one-syllable rhymes. So I want to point out what the difference is here, where he didn't do this the entire song. He did it a handful of times throughout the song, and the times that he did do it was two-syllable rhymes, three-syllable rhymes, two, three, four, five rhymes per bar. So again, it, it is shortcuts being taken for sure, and I don't like it, but it's give and take here. He's improving in one area and getting worse in another. Then he has, 
Just a little sex, a six pack of Becks, two one syllable rhymes in the one bar, and my room to move about and again is stout. So again, two one syllable rhymes on that bar there, but again, those two bars don't rhyme with each other or anything else. So now he has one, two, three, four, five. He has five bars in a row that none of them have rhymed with each other. They've all just had words that rhyme in them and a bar that didn't rhyme with anything at all. So in that batch of six bars, I believe we're seeing a little bit more bad than good. But that has been outweighed in a general theme of this song of there being more good than bad. So let's see how he closes out. To make me feel able, chillin' and stable. Sometimes I'm on the mic, sometimes I'm on the turntable. I'm superb, sort of like herb. A man of my word, and I've never been served. Okay, I want to point a couple of things out here. To make me feel able, chillin' and stable, two two-syllable rhymes on the on the one bar. Sometimes I'm on the mic, sometimes I'm on the turntable. Now, those are good bars. To make me feel able, chillin' and stable, sometimes I'm on the mic, sometimes I'm on the turntable. They lead into each other well. You have three rhymes in two bars, and all three of them are two-syllable rhymes. Now, I pointed out to you earlier at the end of the second verse how I was interested to see if he was able to, again rhyme something different with table in the first verse he ended his verse with i'm here to sing a song but some are not able compared to me you're just crumbs on the table able and table he ended his second verse because your rhymes are weak and unstable compared to me you're just crumbs on the table so he created a theme there he created a pattern of something he was doing and i was impressed for a second to see that he didn't just switch the wording in the beginning of the bars but use the same rhyme with able and table so i was pleased to see that at the end of the second verse and i was curious to see as an artist as a listener as somebody who's dissecting this what is he going to come up with or can he come up with another way to say this at the end of his third verse to where he doesn't use unstable or able to rhyme with table but he's able to still keep that theme going. Now, I can't say that he can't keep that theme going. Maybe he didn't want to. Maybe he wanted to end the song by saying, I'm superb, sort of like Herb, a man of my word, and I've never been served. Now, there are one-syllable rhymes, but there is four rhymes there in the two bars. But it makes me wonder, did he do that because he couldn't find something else to say? to rhyme with table because he had already done able again right here to make me feel able chilling and stable so we used able again right there and stable is now out of the question because he used that and then he had unstable at the end of the second verse so he was running out of things to rhyme with that and i was curious to see if he'd come up with something else and i just find it interesting that i pointed out i'm curious to see how he can do that and he didn't do it now again he wouldn't lose credit for that in this song, just listening to that like this, because 
I, I don't remember off the top of my head and, and D-Nice did not have a lot of material. So even if I did remember more about him, he did not have a large body of work for me to say he did this all the time or he didn't do this all the time. He's, he only had like 20-something songs, I believe. So again, I couldn't take anything away from him for not doing that right now because he very well may have just wanted to end his song on a different note and I cannot take points away from him for, for wanting to do that. It's his art and he's more than you know, able to do what he wants with his art. But if he did show patterns to where he was ending the verse on a certain theme every single time and every single time he started to run out of ways to say it, I would pick up on that and I would start to notice that and I would point that out. Um, how many points he would lose for something like that would probably be very small because his body of work was so small that you don't want an artist to really be penalized majorly on something so stupid and little like that, especially when you don't even really know for a fact if that's why they're not doing it. But just something to point out there that I thought was really interesting the way that that just happened. Now with that out of the way, let's get into what I wrote down about D-Nice. Although D-Nice was certainly not on the same level as KRS-One lyrically, he did have some songs where he had tremendous verses or tremendous lines. Unfortunately, he specifically had full songs that were just as bad lyrically. As far as Boogie Down Productions was concerned, D-Nice was actually only on two songs on two BDP albums, Criminal Minded and Edutainment. Only his two solo albums qualified for album scores, which were both borderline good average albums. He actually only wound up putting out 22 songs in total, with two being good and the other 20 being average. By himself, D-Nice doesn't have much of a claim to a huge impact on hip-hop, but collectively with his contributions with Boogie Down Productions, you can't argue things could have went a little differently without D in the mix at all. He certainly had influences on artists such as Eminem, Big L, and others, and that alone says something. While D-Nice never borrowed or recycled a beat or a line from anyone, there also wasn't anything majorly different or standout about him, be it his songs, rhyme style, or image. So again, it's a little bit it's a little bit tough to judge people who only have 22 songs like this because they never really, well, I shouldn't say they never because I'm sure there are plenty of artists, you know, like Biggie didn't have that many songs. Um, there are a couple of artists who had a small body of work and really murdered that body of work and climbed a very a very steep hill in a very short amount of time. But those are not your average people. Hats off to those people. Um, but the point that I'm trying to make is that when you have somebody like D-Nice who was kind of average in, in almost all areas, it's really hard to, to notice a lot of what they did good or not so good in just a 22 song career in any fashion whether it be lyrically artistically image wise uh you know things like that so with that out of the way let's get into the actual math of d nice lyrics we got them at a five albums 3.47 with zero classics Song score is a zero, as we alluded to earlier. Only 22 songs, two good songs, 20 average songs, no great songs, no weak songs. Um, Impact, he gets a five and a half. I, I, I felt it was a little, a little above average. Now, you see that only Eminem and Big L and may, maybe a handful of others that were slightly influenced by D-Nice in, in one way, shape, or form. It's not a big list of names, but it is two very big names and he only had 22 songs. 
So to only have had 22 songs and influenced artists like Eminem and Big L, again, it's not major, but it, it is saying something. And he also was a part, you know, albeit a, a relatively small part from at least the outside looking in, but he was a part of Boogie Down Productions, which was certainly an important, instrumental, iconic group in, in hip-hop. So he gets a little bit of an above-average score there for Impact. Originality, also 5.5. Again, a little tough to really find things for somebody that was kind of average like this um, to really give them very high or low scores in anything. They, they only had 22 songs, so they really never got to run away with anything or you know sink themselves into a hole. Um, add those five numbers up, you divide by five, and it gives you a final score of 3.89, which leaves him in drum roll, please. 89th place of 114 artists done. So, shout out to D-Nice. Again, very small body of work. I, I Listen, I gotta say, for somebody that only had 22 songs, I mean, he, you know, it sounds bad, 89th of 114 artists done, but I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to find people with that many songs or less finish higher than that. I mean, really. Um, the fact that you only put out 22 songs and you only influenced two artists and you got an above-average impact score, um, you know, it, it says a little bit something about the guy. So, hats off to D-Nice. You know, shout-out to Boogie Down Productions. Um... And with that being said, let's get into KRS-One. I am fucking super, super excited to do this right now. And I want to actually say, before we really get into KRS-One, whose debut solo album was in 1993, I don't want to sound like I'm super excited to do this because I was a giant KRS-One fan because that's absolutely not the case. I really knew, and, and I actually hate even saying this, but I really knew very little about KRS-One uh, going into this study. Now, I knew the important things about KRS-One. I knew, you know, basically what KRS-One stood for. And to be quite honest with you, I may very well have wa had watched more interviews of KRS-One than I had listened to songs of KRS-One. Now, I had heard KRS-One. I had heard KRS-One songs. I had never sat down and listened to a KRS-One album. Stuff like that. So the reason that I'm very excited to do KRS-One is, again, not because I was a huge fan of him, but because there's a lot, there's going to be a lot of things that get done in this dissection right here that are going to be a lot of firsts and a lot of exciting things that are going to go on right now. So without further ado, let's get into KRS-One. Birth name, Lawrence Parker, also known as KRS, Teacher, The Blastmaster, Big Joe Crash and the Temple of Hip Hop. I never heard of Big Joe Crash, but these are listed as as you know nicknames and stuff like that. So hey, call him what you will, uh, refer to him, you know, with what you want. But KRS One is who we're talking about. Born August twentieth, nineteen sixty five, in Brooklyn, New York City, New York, United States. His origins are the Bronx, New York City, New York, United States. Genres are listed as hip-hop, conscious rap, political hip-hop, and hardcore hip-hop. And his years active are listed as 1986 to present, which constitutes 34 years. I'm not even going to speak on that now because we will get into it, but let's touch on a little background about KRS-One. 
Lawrence Chris Parker, born August 20th, 1965, better known by his stage names KRS-One and Teacher, is an American rapper and occasional producer from the Bronx, New York. He rose to prominence as part of the hip-hop music group Boogie Down Productions, which he formed with DJ Scott LaRock in the mid-1980s. Boogie Down Productions received numerous awards and critical acclaim in their early years. Following the release of the group's debut album Criminal Minded, Unfortunately, fellow artist Scott LaRock was shot and killed, but KRS-One continued the group effectively as a solo project. He began releasing records under his own name in 1993. He is politically active, having started the Stop the Violence movement after Scott's death, and he's also a vegan activist expressed in songs such as Beef. So, there's a little bit of things about... Now, when you when you think you're going to hear about KRS-One, you look at... Look at like last weekend as an example, uh, or even somebody like MC Hammer, where you're hearing more about like kind of like accolades to where oh you know they have the highest selling hip hop album or um, you know ten times platinum and all you know whatever all these crazy type of accomplishments and achievements. Now while KRS One does have many accomplishments and many achievements, so I'm not trying to take that away from him. You hear a little bit more in the description about him than just his commercial success. And I find that interesting because he cares very little about his commercial success. I think really the only concern that he has with being commercially successful would probably be number one, paying his bills. And number two, the more people, the more commercially successful he is and the more people he reaches, the more he's able to teach people, which is really what his main goal is and his main message is. So, I just find it interesting that with somebody that's been around for 34 years and as good of a rapper as he is, that you hear more about he's a vegan and he did a, a Stop the Violence movement and, you know, other things in his description than you hear more about his sales. Um, and I like that. I think it's accurate. I think it's good. Um, and I think it's a, a good representation of who he is as a person and as an artist. So with that being said, let's go to KRS-One's list. Let's hit random. I really, I really hope certain songs come on right now because we really could have an amazing time dissecting some shit right now if the right songs come on. But I, I don't want to cheat. I'm going to hit random here. So let's see what we get. Okay, this is not one of the songs I was hoping for, but this is KRS-One, Things is About to Change. Okay, now first of all, before I even get into his rhymes, I want to start off with how he started this song. He says, word, we stand out. Word. We don't want to sound like that bullshit. This is, again, a theme that went on for 34 years. This man was an advocate for being yourself and having your own sound. And if there was one thing that I would say that he hated... It really was just the, the copying and the biting and, and the shit like that. Now, I'm not talking about paying homage to people. I'm not talking about saying a line here and there because everybody does that and that's okay. But I think he's talking about biting melodies, biting styles, biting sounds, biting messages. 
Um, he just really wanted everybody to just be themselves and come out with who they were. I think his main point was everybody has something to contribute to this world. And if you don't contribute what you have to contribute to this world and you try to take somebody else's route, you're kind of shorting the world of something that it should have. And it, and it bothered him to a certain extent, I think. Um, so I, again, I love the way the song starts off. I really wish we could have heard another song from him. This is not, you know, one of his best songs, but let's get into what he says. Let them all be aware. Not at all. Will I care now? He worded this well, let them all be aware. It could have been, I will not care at all. Now aware and care would have still rhymed, but then the end of the bar would have been all and then his next bar would have had to rhyme with all. Instead, all beware, all will I care. Now it doesn't all rhyme, and you have all, which is the same word, but I'm just pointing out how this guy starts to do things in the opposite fashion of, of everybody else that we've seen so far. This guy words his sentences in the correct way. He knows the correct way to word his sentences to where the syllables go correctly. The lines lead into each other. The rhymes are in the proper spots. Um, it, you're just going to see a lot of everything from this guy. Next line, you got to know it's about the flow when you come in and hear. So now you have two rhymes in the first bar. Um, I'll really just call them one syllable rhymes because all is the same word and be aware, will I care. Be and will I don't rhyme. So you really just have aware and care, but he flows it beautifully with the syllables. So it sounds great. You got to know B. It's about the flow B when you come in and hear, which goes back to care and aware. Now, hear and care and aware are not the greatest rhymes. I don't want to not acknowledge things that he's doing that I gave all the people shit for doing. But I do want to point out how with him... Anytime there is any type of little thing to nitpick at, it's usually heavily overshadowed by some good shit. So now his next bar, not how long is your hair, but how long were you here? How many dues you paid, crews you slayed? Yeah. So now, not how long is your hair, A, but how long were you here, A. How many dudes you paid, three syllables, B. Cruise you slayed, three syllables, B. Actually, we'll call it two syllables because U is in the middle and that's the same word. So you have A, A, B, B, and then he has yeah, which is A again, so A. So we have A, A, B, B, A. So you have that rhyme pattern coupled with five rhymes in two bars, two of them being two syllables. So again... Where you had that little reach there with hear and care and aware. Now granted, he said it in a fashion where it sounded fine. He made it work. But technically, when you break it down, I understand that hear and care and aware are not really technically rhymes. So I, I, again, I want to acknowledge that. But look how it was overshadowed by so many other things. And when you break down the lines themselves, this all makes perfect sense. Let them all be aware, not at all will I care. You gotta know it's about the flow when you come in and hear. Not how long is your hair, but how long were you here? How many dues you paid, crews you slayed, yeah. Every bar leads into each other beautifully. It makes perfect sense. 
Um, and then you have all the other things that are added on top of it. So he's off to a good start here. Okay, so we can kind of see a theme starting to be portrayed here, at least in this first verse. I can't speak for the whole song yet, but at least in the first verse, you can kind of see, and he he does this a lot. Again, he, he was consistent with his message. The man loves hip-hop. He loves the culture. He loves the artistry. Um, he loves a lot of the artists themselves. He loves a lot of the fans that come with it. Um, he really lives or dies hip-hop, but... He takes offense to people shitting on hip-hop. He takes offense to fake shit. He takes offense to, to biting shit. He takes offense to not being original. He takes offense to copying. He takes offense to claiming that you're a great when you've done nothing. Um, and it's kind of odd because I'm in a position to where I do think I'm going to do pretty well in this study. And I think when you match my lyric scores and my album scores and things like that up with other people i will be up near the top am i going to be the best no certainly not but i do think i will be well closer to the top than even halfway but then you're going to have to factor in things like originality and impact now i'm not saying i'm going to get a bad score on originality but it's not going to be a great score it's not going to be a score like krs1 and my impact score is obviously going to be very low so i find it interesting that and I don't want you people to think I'm being biased for KRS-One here. This is why I'm trying to point this out. He would knock somebody like me in general for basically claiming how good I am. And I really have no accolades. No, Now, I have done shit, but he doesn't know that. Now, he's asking on here, have you ever rocked outside with cats popping they steal? Now... I've been in scenarios like this multiple times. I was heavy in the hip-hop game and, and, and in the streets and all that type of shit and, and battles and stuff like that. Now, if you're really into hip-hop and you were, you know, you grew up in the 90s and all that type of shit, you, you really couldn't not be around this shit, and at least in my experience. It was just there, whether you liked it or not. Um, so he says, how many clubs you done rocked for real? You ever rocked outside with cats popping they steal? So now... Again, rocked and poppin' don't necessarily rhyme, but he flows it beautifully and he puts the syllables in the right spot so that how many clubs you know rocked for real? You have a rocked outside with cat poppin' they steal. Just the same as in the beginning. Now, I have rocked clubs, I have rocked on corners and outside and all this type of shit, but he doesn't know that. If I was to meet him and start talking about how great I was, he would immediately take offense to what I'm saying. So I find it interesting that you have somebody who's basically sitting on the opposite side of the fence for the people that he's directing his bars at, and yet I'm still sitting here saying how dope these bars are and how much weight they hold. Because number one, I know who they're coming from, and number two, I firmly believe that if I was able to speak to KRS-One and play him some of my music, although I may never get anywhere, he would respect my artistry and my originality to the fullest extent. So I love the bars here and I love the, the general theme that he's going with of I love hip-hop. I'm in this shit deep. This is about flow. This isn't about this. This isn't about that. How many places you rocked out? How many times you've done this? Yada, yada. 
So he continues on with this theme. You fake like m -m 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 Max Headroom. You go from the bedroom to the studio back to the bedroom. Now, he does this a lot to where he will say bedroom and bedroom, but that's in the same bar. The Really what he's rhyming is bedroom and headroom. So it's fine. It's a two-syllable two rhyme or, you know, if you want to call it one because room is the same word, but I don't want people to sit here and say, well, it's not a rhyme because he said bedroom and bedroom because they're in the same bar. I just wanted to point out that even though he said that word twice, he's really rhyming with headroom. We be on the front line, paving the way for you to do what you do, get what you get, say what you say. Again, sticking with the same theme. We we did this. We we're the ones that that paved the way for this. We're the originals. Um, we're on the front line, putting the work in, rocking the clubs. We're out with the people with their weapons, spitting balls on the corner and battles and things like that. We be on the front line, paving the way for you to do what you do, get what you get, say what you say. So now he has paving the way and say what you say, which is a four syllable rhyme. And those two bars lead into each other. Great. And it's actually a good line. He's had a same theme the entire verse here. Every bar has leaded into each other well. They all make sense. And now he throws in a four-syllable rhyme. Flip what you flip. Play what you play at the Grammys. But you don't represent our family. You a thief. Again, continuing the same theme. He's kind of knocking commercial stuff. He's basically saying all us underground dudes that are staying true and refusing to sell out and refusing to, you know, make certain type of music to get awards and things like that. We're the ones who are paving the way for you to do the shit that you're doing, for you to make the dumbass music that you're making, that you go play at the Grammys, but you don't represent our family. So Grammys, family, two-syllable rhyme, um, that's, that's pretty clearly more than anything we've ever seen so far in this study. That is pretty clearly an above-average verse. Um... It's only the first verse. We'll, you know, we're going to get into the rest of the song right now, but really nothing but good stuff from KRS-One right there. Nothing amazing, nothing ridiculous, but certainly above average in pretty much every way it could have been. He had you know, a couple of good lines in there. He had a couple of lines where it was more than one rhyme per bar. He had a couple of times where it was two, three, four syllables. Um, everything led into each other well. It was the same general theme. Everything made sense. Uh, a lot of good stuff there. Okay, I'm going to pause this here, and I really didn't even want to, but I, I'm going to pause this here for a reason. I want to make sure that nobody is getting lost here, because this is a scenario where I've pointed out to you a lot of times where people will just throw a lot of rhymes in bars, and it will sound good, but when you listen to what they're saying and you break it down, it's not really good. It's just a bunch of random words that rhyme. I want to make sure that people don't think that that's what's happening here. So he says... 
Join the campaign to rearrange the rap game. Makes perfect sense. And there's three rhymes in there. Don't look at me like I'm insane. The facts remain plain. Another three rhymes in that bar. So you have six rhymes in two bars. It's a good line. They lead into each other well. And they make perfect sense. Again, this is really one of the first times that we're consistently seeing somebody do multiple good things on almost every line and the content is not taking a back seat to just rhyme random words. You to blame when you take it in vain, the gains and struggles and pains of those that already came. These are dope fucking lines. And again, you have two rhymes in the first bar, then you have gains, pains, and came. So you have another five rhymes in two bars. So now you have 11 rhymes in four bars all four bars are about the exact same thing, which is about the exact same thing that the first verse was about. They all lead into each other well. They all make perfect sense. And all of them have been good lines. From the beginning, we tried to attain the money and fame. That's not new to the game. It's still the same. Again, continuing on the same theme. And he has two rhymes in that bar, in that first bar. And then another two rhymes in the second bar. So now we have six bars and 15 rhymes in six bars. But what seems to change is the loyalty. Rappers the great hip-hop for royalty. It's all about me and my clique. And we ballin' G. But we ballin' stallin' our callin' to the spring. You can't see? They're gonna judge our poetry in 2023? Where will your money be? So now since I stopped the first half of that verse to make sure that people weren't getting lost with what was going on. I want to pick up to make sure that you understand we're continuing the same theme. From the beginning, we tried to attain the money and fame. That's not new to the game, it's still the same. So he's basically saying that I'm not knocking people for trying to make money or get famous from this because obviously that's a goal. That's not changing. I'm not knocking that. So now he goes on to say, but what needs to change is the loyalty. Rappers degrade hip-hop for a royalty. It's all about me and my clique and we ballin' G. But we fallen, stolen, our calling to be free. So now he's stating what needs to change is the loyalty. Rappers degrade hip-hop for a royalty. So basically what he's saying is don't fucking sell your soul for a paycheck. Ain't nothing wrong with making money off this shit. Ain't nothing wrong with being famous off this shit. I ain't knocking that. That's what we're all here for. But there has to be a line drawn somewhere to where you don't just sell your soul for riches and shit on the actual culture just to get some money. And at the same time, it's a three-syllable rhyme. And again, they lead into each other perfectly. They make sense. It's a good rhyme. It sticks with the theme of what the whole entire song has been about so far. And then he's again swinging it into try or at least trying to swing it into a positive thing here to where I'm not trying to just shit on you like I'm trying to point out to you, but we fall and stolen our calling to be free. So now he has it's all about me and my click and we ball in G. So he has me, we, G which is A-A-A, three rhymes in the first bar, but we've fallen, stolen, are calling 
B, 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 to be free, A. So he has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven rhymes in two bars. Three of those seven are two syllables. And he also has an A, 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 B, 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 A rhyme pattern in two bars that make sense, lead into each other well. I mean, again, we're seeing... A lot of above average stuff from KRS-One and I again want to point out that this is not one of his better songs. You can't see they're going to judge our poetry. In 2023, where will your money be? And it's interesting because we're sitting here analyzing this in 2020. Now, this is an older song of KRS-One. I believe it's from the 90s. Uh, I didn't look into it. Apologies for that. But... It's just interesting how now we're close to the time that he's talking about. And again, I, I made a statement before we started him how he's been active and successful in this game for 34 years. And I can guarantee you that the high number of people that he was directing these lines to are either irrelevant right now or broke or in debt or whatever the case may be. So it's funny looking back. You can't see. They're going to judge our poetry. So there's two rhymes there in the one bar. In 2023, where will your money be? Now, he has four rhymes in the two bars that all rhyme with each other. Two of those four rhymes are three-syllable rhymes. The lines lead into each other well. They make sense. And they're actually good lines. And we're close to where the punchline is now. We're in 2020 right now. And like I said, we can look back and see that he has had the longevity. He has had the success and all that. And, you know, the iconic name and all that for 30-something years. And I'm sure he would stand by these bars 34 years later. Where would your friends be? Your friends be? Your beginning be? Your envy? Gently, you tell me to replace my style, you envy. But behind my back, you condemn me, you and me. Okay, so again... He continues on that same theme. He ended off with, where will your money be? Where will your Benz be? Your friends be? Your beginning be? Your end be? Gently, you tell me to my face, my style, you envy. But behind my back, you condemn me. You a thief. Bars. Where will your Benz be? Where will your friends be? Now, that's only one syllable because B and B, but it's two rhymes in the one bar. Where will your beginning be? Your end be? So now, again, it's B, so it's only the one syllable, but it's three rhymes in two bars, and then he starts his next one off with a two-syllable rhyme. Gently, you tell me to my face, my style, you envy. So two two-syllable rhymes in that one bar, but behind my back, you condemn me. You a thief. Again, Directing a certain group of people, obviously, you know, I meet some of you artists, you tell me, hey, I'm a fan, I look up to you, yada yada, um, and then behind my back, you talk shit, and, you know, you do things that go against the entire hip-hop culture and everything that we all stand for, so... Tell them, go to their shows and let them 
okay, I'm somewhat glad that this happened and I'm, you know, somewhat a little bit bothered by it. Now, out of nowhere, you kind of have him do, after the hook there, for sure it's the people that defend me. Yeah, you on MTV, but did you know Ted Demi? Now, this is one of those lines where actually all four of these bars are going to fit into the same category here. Now, you have defend me and Demi, so it's a two-syllable rhyme. Um, now, I don't know exactly what he's talking about, but I will tell you this. Having studied KRS-One and having watched a lot of interviews with KRS-One, he is clearly a very intelligent dude. So, when I hear a line like that, and I know what KRS stands for, which is going against the system, and, you know, I, I don't want to say, uh, you know, KRS-One is like a whistleblower, but he's that type of dude that you would expect if somebody like him got some inside information that he wouldn't hold his tongue about it. To me, this is one of those things. Now, I'm sure it's not something that you can't find out about. If I really looked into this hard, maybe, you know, and I looked into who Ted Demi was, and I, I'm sure I would be able to link why KRS-One is saying this line, but I am just want to point out right now off the top of my head that when you have an artist like this that was so good and so artistic and so original and all the other things that come with it, you pretty much know for a fact that there's a reason why he's saying that line. And the fact that I don't know what the reason is, is almost one of those kind of things where it's like, uh, you know, I could remember the line where uh, it's no names, but it's no sublimes. You know who you are. I'll end it before it goes too far. It's one of those things where you know they're talking about someone in specific and though you might not know who it is, you know that they know and you know that the person they're talking about knows. So it's almost a better line that I don't know because I'm sure that it means something important and the fact that I don't know it leads me to believe that it's some sort of information that the general public probably doesn't know about. Um, and maybe I'll go look into it after this because I'm kind of intrigued now. Then he goes on to say, what about Fab Five, Freddy, Red Alert, you're not ready, 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 and that fades out. So, again, it's the same theme. He's basically pointing out, you're on MTV, but do you know this? What about this? What about this? You want to brag about your, your accolades. You want to brag about your shows. You want to brag about this. You want to brag about that. But you have done none of the groundwork. You don't know your fundamentals and your basics. And you're not on point with the things that you should be on point with. Do you know about this? Have you been outside in ciphers with people holding weapons? You know, have you done this? Do you know about this guy? Because if not, you don't know your history. And to me, you're being a fake and you're being disrespectful to hip hop. And here's the thing. Coming from a guy like this, you better fucking respect it, plain and simple. It's not one of those things where, I'm sure I've said a lot of things in this podcast where, if not yet, somebody will turn around and say, who the fuck is this kid to say this shit? Okay, you, to me, you can't say that about KRS-One. When he's telling you that you better pay homage and you better know your hip-hop history and you better know your elements and you better know who these people are and all this stuff, you better shut the fuck up and listen. Because it's KRS-One, period. That man has done everything for hip-hop. That man has been through everything for hip-hop. He lives, eats, sleeps, breathes, bleeds, dies hip-hop. Um, he's a hip-hop historian. He's very well 
informed on many artists and many forms and, and the history of hip-hop and, and things like that. So you can't turn around when he makes demands like that and say, who the fuck are you, bro? Listen, he's KRS-One, okay? <laughs> uh, now, as far as the rating on that song, I, I would say just just from the one-time listen right here, sitting, you know, and just listening to it, that was that was a good song. That was a solid good song. And the reason being... I wouldn't say that the song had a particular concept or theme to the point where he was telling a story or sticking with some sort of weird or crazy concept that he had to stick to, but he did keep the same theme throughout the song. He kept the same message throughout the song. He made the same points throughout the song. He was able to hold that topic. I wouldn't necessarily give him extra credit for that on that song because like I said it wasn't necessarily that the song was about something specific that was just where he went with it I'm just trying to point out how there was so many good things in that song I thought each verse was an above average verse nothing by itself was amazing or tremendous but everything was good there was very very little if anything to nitpick at in that song it was heavily overshadowed by the good in every verse you saw a little bit of everything. You saw a lot of rhymes per bar. You saw more than one, two, three, four syllables on, on some of the rhymes. Um, you know, you saw three, four, five, six rhymes per bar. You saw rhymes lead into each other well. You saw every line make sense. You saw a lot of strong points, a lot of strong bars. You saw a theme kept. Um, again, I don't think it was enough to take it to a great song. I wouldn't say that he absolutely went nuts on that song. It certainly wasn't one of his best songs. Um, you know, it wasn't one of his most popular songs. It wasn't a story to where it was like this mind-blowing type of thing or some crazy ending to where he would have got extra credit. So again, we do need room where we need there to be a reason why people are getting great songs. He had his fair share of them. I believe it was eight. This one, I wouldn't say was one of them, but it was definitely a good song. That was not an average song. There was a lot of good things in all of those verses and in the song in general. Um, so... I would say that song probably got a two. Now, as far as that is concerned and him being who he is, I'm excited to read what I wrote down about KRS-One. KRS-One is another popular choice when talking about the goats of hip-hop. I personally was never on board with this until I sat down and analyzed KRS-One. The only honest regret I had while studying KRS-One was having not had grown up on this stuff. Lyrically, he was definitely well above average. KRS was tremendous at finding ways to rhyme what he wanted to say, as opposed to just finding words to rhyme. He also certainly had many powerful storytelling type songs throughout his career. His message was consistent, and he certainly showed times where it was clear he was there to drop bars, and he had some dope ones. In a career that has spanned an amazing 30 plus years, KRS-One dropped five albums with Boogie Down Productions, 13 solo albums, five collaborative albums, and another three mixtapes and EPs. Of the five BDP albums, three were good and two were average. Three of his 13 solo albums were great and the other nine were good. 30 years in the game with that large a body of work and over 90% of it being good at worst. Impressive to say the least. He managed to drop 8 great songs along with another 88 good ones, 
but also only dropped one week one out of a whopping 344 songs. He has literally put out more good songs than most artists have material, period. KRS-One has had a huge impact on hip-hop in general in many ways, and also had clear influences on an extremely large list of artists such as Cannabis, Next Wonder, Pusha T, Nas, Junior Mafia, Dr. Dre, Eminem, Fat Joe, LL Cool J, The Brat, M.O.P., Buckshot, Snoop Dogg, Warren G, Pete Rock, Sticky Fingers, Mac Dre, Common, Chi Ali, Lord Finesse, Scarface, Paris, Redman, and many others. KRS-One never sold out to do well on the charts or changed his image or message to become more popular. He always stayed true to the hip-hop culture and what he believed to be right, uplifting people. Now, with all that said, I would expect you guys know what's coming here when we get into this math here. So, let's go right ahead with it. Lyrics, 7. Albums, 4.32 with zero classics. Now, when I say this zero, I want to talk about this real quick as far as zero classics. I did point out that he did have three great albums, and he had a lot of good albums, um, and his ratio was amazing. But one, if anything, one minor qualm that I have with KRS-One is that every album, and there's nothing wrong with this, it's just that out of that many albums, you would think you would at least get that one album where almost every song is just, oh my god. Now, I'm not saying there needs to be 18 or 19 of them, but... He has put out very dope albums as recently as 2015 and stuff like that. So he is currently still making new music in an era where, you know, 7, 8, 9, 10 songs on an album is more acceptable nowadays. I'm not saying that he has to go around and do this. I'm just saying for somebody that has that many albums, he is very capable. Believe me when I tell you, he is more than capable of making an album to where it's just great song, good song, good song, great song, good song. Um, and we, we just didn't really get that from him. He was close. He had a, more than one great album. He had, I believe it was three, I said. Um, and in general, that album score of 4.32 is a very good album score. But I really just wish I would have had that one album from KRS where it was just that mind-blowing classic album. Now, again... When we talk about classics in here, we're talking about the technicality, we're talking about the lyrics, we're talking about the topics, we're talking about the originality, we're talking about everything that comes with it. Not the sentimental value of what you may call a classic, because I have albums that I deem classics as far as being personal favorites to me, but on here I'm sure they're not going to score as classics. So again, I just want to point out when I say that, what I'm talking about, he was more than capable um, I wouldn't really argue with anybody that said, come on, man, he's got a classic album because he did have some that were close, but technically I didn't really think any were quite there. And again, if I had one qualm with him at all, I, I just wish we would get that one album where it's just holy fuck, man. Um, now song score, he gets a plus 0.20 to even have a positive song score 
when you've put out 344 songs, the fact that you put out 344 songs is amazing in itself. The fact that you managed to stay, you know, almost 20% above zero with great songs to weak songs after dropping 344 songs over 34 years or whatever it was is ridiculous. It really is. It's ridiculous. Um, his impact score is a nine and a half. I mean, there's just absolutely no getting around that. Um, I have personally had many people, many people give me the answer when I say who's the best rapper of all time. Many people have said KRS-One. Um, I never really argued so much with anyone about it because I wasn't that informed on KRS-One, but I certainly didn't agree with anybody when they said that. Um, like, you know, KRS-One, the best rapper of all time. You know, I, I, I definitely don't have him in there. Um, now uh, he's up there. Okay. He, he's, he's up there. I, I still would definitely not say he's the greatest rapper of all time, but I definitely wouldn't argue with anyone who said it. Not that I did before, but I did expect that when I did this study that I was going to have more of a reason to argue against him being the greatest rapper of all time. And he did not supply that. He supplied quite the opposite. So I just want to point out with impact, obviously he's a huge name. People that don't, not everybody, um, you know, he's not a Tupac or something like that. So not everybody that doesn't listen to hip hop knows KRS-One, but plenty of people that don't listen to hip hop know who KRS-One is. And the people that do listen to hip hop obviously all know who KRS-One is. And when you speak to real hip hop heads, KRS-One is obviously a legend, icon, um, held with very high regards. Um, and he's accomplished a lot in the game. So when we talk about impact, you got everything here. You got... You got hip hop heads. You got the name going for you. You got, um, you know, the list of artists that he had influences on was insane. Not only were the artists that were on there insane, but just the sheer amount of people that was on there is insane. Um, so he gets a nine and a half. Again, I told you, I, I, I just don't, I just don't see me giving tens or zeros anywhere in this study. So you, you get a nine and a half. Fucking all, all praise to you, bro. That's really as high as you're gonna get in here. Um, and originality eight and a half, which again says a lot. It says a lot. He's been making music for 34 years. Do you know how difficult it is to make songs for 34 years spanning through? It will be spanning into the fifth decade. If he comes out with an album from this point forward at all in 2020 or any time forward, that will be his fifth decade in hip-hop. Do you understand how difficult it is to be in something like hip-hop where you're creating music, to be in it for nearly five decades, 34 years, 344 songs, and continue to find ways to be original, to be artistic, to do something different? That is very, very difficult. That is not easy at all. He did an absolutely great job at it. And I also want to point out that not at all was he biting people because he certainly had his own message, his own style, his own image, his own everything. Um, so he wasn't biting anybody. But again, he's a hip-hop historian and he loves the art and the culture. So he did big up a lot of other artists, wh whether it be by sampling or you know going over a, a beat or uh, repeating a line that somebody said. Now... He didn't do it a lot considering how many songs he had. He had 344 songs. 
So, I mean, even if he only did it every, you know, 50 songs or so, he still would have, you know, eight or so people on there that he took lines from, let's say. Now, with all that being said, he's, you know, being around this long, this many songs, this many albums, and, and having, you know, bigged up a lot of artists and, and paid homage with, like, repeating a line or whatever, he still managed to get an eight and a half in originality, which is super high. And now, again... We are early here. We're in the golden era of hip-hop, but we're also in 1987. So we're not back in 1980 here. We're not in 1982 here, you know, where you really have one of the pioneers of hip-hop. There have been 25 people now before him that he could have bit styles and bit things from. So let's not get lost in the fact that we're a good amount of artists in now. So... Again, for him to come around at this time period and be around for that long and put out that many songs and big up that many artists and things like that and still receive an originality score of eight and a half is tremendous. Um, you add all those five numbers up, you divide by five, it gives you a final rating of 5.90, which leaves him in drum roll, please. Sixth place of 114 artists done. So he not only takes over the top spot overall ahead of run, but he's also the very first artist that we've covered to crack the top 10 so far. So I'm sure you can see now why I was super excited to do this this episode. I am a little bummed out that we didn't get to hear certain KRS-One songs. I will tell you this. Going into this, I had nothing against KRS-One. I didn't dislike him or his music. But I did think it was a little crazy how many people told me they had him as the best rapper ever. And I I did have intentions going into studying him with him finishing a lot lower than that. And me then turning around and saying to those people, bro, how do you have KRS-One as the best rapper ever? After I studied, after I figured everything out, then I will come back to you and argue with you and say, how the fuck do you got this guy at number one? I am not going back and saying that to anybody. Anybody that puts this guy at number one, I have no argument with you. Um, right now, I have him at six. So again, I personally disagree that he is the best rapper of all time. But I can see why people would say it. There was tremendous things from this guy. For anybody listening to this right now, if you're not big on KRS-One, do yourself a damn favor and go listen to KRS-One. He does have a lot of material. I'm not going to say that all of it is amazing. I did note that he had one week song, which is almost nothing out of 344, but you know, he probably had a hundred or two average ones. So I'm not saying that you're going to go put on a KRS-One CD and every song is going to blow your fucking mind, but I do promise you that if you're a real hip hop head and you love hip hop and you appreciate good lyricism and good stories and, and you know, good concepts and good points, this guy is fucking mind blowing. And if you listen to enough shit of his, you will come across songs where you literally just sit there and say, holy shit. So super big shout out to KRS-One. I was not a KRS-One fan going into this. I will say right now, flat out, KRS-One is one of my personal favorite rappers of all time. I definitely recommend you people going and checking him out. Um, now this is going to be a bit interesting here too because 
Couple of things. This is going to be the last time that we go over this list in March. So this will be the last time that we do the top 33% of artists covered. After this episode from here on out, we will be in April and we will start doing the top 25% of artists covered from there on out. That being said, let's get into our last time of stating the top 33% final list of the artists that we've covered so far. At the top, we have KRS-One in 6th place of 114 artists done. As we said, he's the first artist to crack the top 10 so far. Behind him, we have Rev Run of Run DMC in 12th of 114. Behind him, we have LL Cool J in 13th of 114. Behind him, we have DMC of Run DMC, who's tied for 17th of 114. Behind him, we have Chuck D of Public Enemy in 24th of 114. Behind him, we have Cool Mo D in 26th of 114. And then in a three-way tie, we have Mike D, Ad-Rock, and MCA from the Beastie Boys who are tied for 31st of 114. So they're hanging on to the last notable spot here on the top 33%, which will be the last time that we do this. I would assume probably on next week's episode the Beastie Boys are probably going to be booted out of there, but we'll see what happens. Um, anyway, super exciting stuff right here. Um, I thought this episode was great. I really, again, I wish we would have had a mind-blowing KRS-One song, but in the same token, we did have a song to where you could see... You could see where this guy was going. You could see that he was visibly better than anybody that we've covered so far and you know a lot of the scores weren't even really close the the second highest you know lyrical score that we had was a five and a half he gets a seven um that's a giant leap in lyrical content i do think that a lot of that is partly due to the fact that some of the people that you had ahead of him up to that point which was rev run and ll cool j you know, Rev Run stopped rapping a long time ago. So KRS-One had a 15 or 20 year span where he continued to improve where Rev Run wasn't even rapping anymore. And as far as LL Cool J, he hasn't made music as recently either, but he did make music a lot more recently than Run. The thing with LL Cool J is he was never terrible, but he was below average early on in his career. So... When he started to get a good ways above average later on in his career, he had that little bit of a hole to dig himself out of. So he wound up finishing above average, but it he was pretty damn well above average later on in his career. He was very good, probably closer to a 7 like KRS-One, but KRS-One didn't have the early shit that he laid weighing him down. So that was the difference between those two is early on KRS-One was much better than LL Cool J was early on. But um, with that being said, let's just go over the current top 10% lyrically. I'm sure you obviously know what it is. KRS-One is in the number one spot. He gets a seven as his lyrical score. Um, after three years of being in the top spot, someone finally dethrones Rev Run. Now, what I mean by that is obviously we haven't been doing this for three years, but Rev Run came out in 1984 and he held that top spot all the way up until mid-1987. So... Three years and a couple, a bunch of artists had gone by in hip-hop where Rev Run had held on to that that number one spot there for a while. Um, 
Now we've done 26 artists overall. So, you know, you're between given as far as top 10% lyrically, you're between about a two and a three. Luckily, there's two people tied for second here. You got Rev Run with a five and a half, who was the very first artist to receive an above average score lyrically, and LL Cool J also with a five and a half tied for him. So either way, you're getting your top two or three right there. Um, if you'd like to see any of these full lists, you can give the Facebook website a visit at www.facebook.com slash tale of the tapes podcast, all spelt normally. Um, the anchor profile is www.anchor.fm slash tale of the tapes, all spelt normally. Uh, I have a donate button on there. If anybody's feeling generous, please holla at your boy. I appreciate it. Um, this was a great episode, man. I, I really, I, I thought this was great. I thought it was informative. I saw, I thought we saw a lot of new stuff here. Um, again, I, I am converted. I am a very big KRS-One fan. Uh, I was excited to do this episode. I thought it came out great. Big shout out to everybody we've done so far. Um, hats off to the top 33% and the top 10% lyrically. But again, man, all these artists, you know, great in their own way, whether it be their impact on the game and what they left behind, whether it be their originality, whether it be their lyrics, um, you know, whether they just had some great songs, whether it be a combination of all these things, um, just shout out to all these artists that paved the way, you know, for what we're hearing today and people like myself and stuff like that. I'm not trying to take anything away from anybody, um, and really fucking great stuff today. Now, as far as next week, we have another interesting one here. Next week, we will be covering Spoonie G and Will Smith. Or Fresh Pints, whatever you would like to call him. Um, we're going to go by Will Smith because that's what he is more currently known as. Um, and Fresh Prince kind of went with, uh, you know, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. They didn't stay together the whole time. We're not going to get into all that right now. But we're going to go with calling him Will Smith for now. I do want to say that as excited as I was for this episode... I'm honestly almost as excited and admittedly a tad bit more worried about next week episode than I was for this one. I don't want to indulge too much info. I don't want to spoil anything for anybody, but I did tell you last week that I was very excited about this week's episode. I was. I thought this week was a great episode. Um, again, we saw a lot of new and great things going on here. I don't want to tell you what's going to go on next week, but I will tell you that I recommend that you tune into next week. I don't think that next week is going to be a, a week that you want to miss. I don't want anybody to come back to me in weeks going forward and say, wait a minute, what? How the fuck did this happen? Listen to next week and you will hear how it happened. That's that's all I'm going to leave you with there for today. So. Again, thanks for joining in. Tale of the Tapes, that was episode 10. Next week, episode 11, Spoonie G and Will Smith. Peace. Tale of the Tapes. Might as well.